It's Tuesday, April 14th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me is Bill Barker. Good to see you. Yes, good to see you. I mean, we're seeing each other through Zoom, but uh, that's better than nothing. That's better than nothing. Absolutely. Uh, we've got oil stocks. We've got entertainment. But we're going to start with uh, J&J. Uh, Johnson & Johnson, uh, first quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected. They also raised their quarterly dividend, um, which is nice to see in an environment when more and more companies are cutting their dividend. And shares of Johnson & Johnson were up around 5% this morning. Yeah, they uh, buck in the trend with uh, the raised dividend. I think that's mo mostly muscle memory there that, uh, you know, they raise the dividend uh, periodically, and this was the scheduled time to raise it. And uh, the most interesting thing, perhaps, other than just how good the quarter generally was, uh, was that they actually um, came out with some guidance rather than just eliminate it. Uh, they, they lowered guidance, certainly, for the rest of the year. Uh, but uh, they didn't uh, step all the way out of the business, which most places are doing. Yeah, and I'm wondering, you know, and this, this is unknowable, but I'm wondering how much of the the rise in Johnson and Johnson stock that we're seeing today is because of that combination—the combination of raising the dividend and, yes, as you said, there's there's a muscle memory aspect to it, but also the—I have to believe there are at least a few investors out there. Who are just looking at Johnson and Johnson, looking at the quarter, and even with the pulling back of guidance a little bit, there's just you know, a, hey, at they're not suspending it, they're not withdrawing the guidance. All right, I'm yes, okay, I'm feeling better about this company. I'm buying a few more shares. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, who among us has not at this point suspended guidance? You know, when when you're asked questions around the house, like, hey, Dad, are we still going on that vacation in August that you were talking about? Like, I I I don't know. I, uh, you know, I'll have to get back to you on that one. You know, hey, when are when are we going to be able to go back to school? Like, mm, can't give you any guidance on that. I mean, it's a reminder that most of your parenting is giving some sort of guidance uh, projections. I mean, they're wrong a lot of the time, but at least you you operate from some level of confidence. Like, oh, I know how things play out at this time of year. I can tell you. I can tell you what to get mom for Christmas, or I can tell you where we're going to be. You know, at, at a certain time of the year. And now it's just like ah. It turns out I don't know as much as I thought I knew. I love that analogy, and I'm not <laughs> going to touch it. So we're just going to move on to Roku. Uh, Roku. No, no, no. I'll finish up talking um, about, uh, about Johnson Johnson before you go there. I mean, there, it was to give it a little details on the quarter. Uh, revenue was uh, well above. Uh, expectations by about a billion dollars for the quarter. And uh, that came from uh, the pharmaceutical division was up about 10%. Medical devices was off about 5% year over year. That's not in any way surprising as, you know, the knees, hips, surgery, surgeries that are elective and can be put off. And then, you know, uh, Johnson Johnson's one of the major you know suppliers of something like knees or, or, or hips, and um, they'll sell those later. Uh, as, as surgical rooms are set aside for now. Um, downside uh, in trauma and visions, one of the possible upsides of everybody staying in their houses, there's less traumatic injuries. Uh, so uh, that was all down and consumer was up 11%, a little bit of stocking up um, from, uh, you know, for the various medical needs that people have. I think that'll, you know, adjust itself over the rest of the year. So they, they really lowered guidance for the rest of the year. 
by about uh, 8% on uh, revenue and 15% on earnings per share. Uh, so they are being affected by this. The first quarter was sort of a stock up quarter. Their business is far less effective, uh, sorry, affected than many others. They're, you know, a necessary service and, um, you know, they're up up a little bit, but they're flat for the year. It's been for the, for them and their stockholders a relatively uninteresting year when you look at just year to date. And having increased uh, the dividend, that the shareholder base uh, is continuing to get what it expects out of the company. Well, we're going to return to uh, dividends being cut in a moment, but uh, let's hit Roku first because Roku came out with preliminary results for the first quarter, and the stock was up about 9% uh, earlier this morning because, not surprisingly, streaming hours for Roku are up nearly 50%. Um, I mean, this, this is one of those stocks that, six weeks ago, when people were putting together lists of, well, what are the stocks that should do well in a everybody-needs-to-stay-home environment? Roku, Netflix, those were both on the list. And, you know, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not a Roku shareholder. I'm happy for the shareholders that they're having a good day. But I'm not surprised by this. Are you? No, uh, especially since I'm one of the people who, while being confined to the house has has finally uh, adopted Roku and and use it and loves what uh, what it provides. So I think that uh, a lot of other people are in the in the same boat. Um, and I think that uh, it was a very strong first quarter. Usually, uh, unsurprisingly, fourth quarter a lot of people buy these, give these for uh, Christmas. So uh, it's a little bit seasonal. And this first quarter was much better than than anticipated. At least you know pre-coronavirus anticipation. Uh, it's not all good. Downside is uh, some of the uh, ad dollars are down. Uh, that's a, a part of the business, not just selling the hardware, but uh, all the, the streaming sales that they make and the ad-supported uh, business uh, on the free TV. So a lot of the advertisement is being pulled all over the place. Um, you know, Newspapers being hit harder by that, by that than... Uh, streaming services, but you know that is part of the equation, and that was off. That was really the only negative to what was otherwise uh, a, a preliminary uh, report, not a not a full report. Anheuser Busch InBev um, is cutting its dividend in half, and I, I'm starting to think that you know, particularly with you know, look, these are two, uh, and we'll get to ExxonMobil in a moment, um, you know, ExxonMobil, Anheuser-Busch, InBev, Johnson & Johnson, these are three huge, stable dividend payers. And I'm wondering if a year from now, uh, it's going to be a talking point for investor relations departments that didn't cut their dividend, or in the case of Johnson & Johnson, even increase their dividend through this whole mess, that it becomes a, a point of pride and and essentially, uh, not to be crass about it, but essentially a selling point for the stock. Like, hey, look, when the chips were down, we actually raised our dividend, unlike those people at Anheuser-Busch InBev. Uh, yeah, Anheuser-Busch is already operating at a deficit from that uh, because uh, they cut their dividend 
uh, I don't know, a year or two ago, they took on a tremendous amount of debt to buy SAB Miller, and they are sitting on, I think, $96 billion in debt, and bars are closed, and they are not selling as much beer uh, as they would like to. Uh, people stocking up at home, but that's not making up for all the closed uh, restaurants and bars. And you know, at this point, you're not investing in this company for the dividend because they've, they've cut it twice. Let's move on to the energy industry then. Um, and we've got three in the news today. Valero Energy uh, came out and said that their loss in the first quarter could top $2 billion dollars. Uh, Exxon Mobil didn't cut their dividend because they appear to take their dividend very seriously and they're doing everything to avoid cutting their dividend, um, including what they did today, which was sell another $9.5 billion in debt. Um, not at a particularly high interest rate, though. And Chesapeake Energy, a company we haven't talked about in a while, Chesapeake Energy shareholders approved a reverse stock split uh, so that the company could stay in compliance with New York Stock Exchange compliance rules, uh, listing rules. Um, I've never seen a reverse stock split like this. It is a one for 200 stock split. So if you own 200 shares of Chesapeake Energy, congratulations. After this split, this reverse split, you're going to have one share. Take yeah. those in any order you like. Well, uh, I'll, you know, it, it, they're different variations of the same thing, which is although the market, stock market, has obviously recovered quite a bit from its lows, the oil market is, and, and there's, you know, some marginally better news uh, for oil given the uh, seeming agreement between uh, OPEC Plus, uh, but still. Oil companies have rarely seen a, a shock to their sales, uh, both in, in price and in demand, uh, that they're seeing right now. And it is uh, playing itself out in terms of big, big, big losses for Valero, uh, a need for cash to, for operations to keep going. And in terms of Exxon, Exxon's you know, a financially stable company there. It uh, wasn't that long ago that they were the, the biggest company in the world, I guess, uh, by market cap. And uh, you know, Chesapeake's had plenty of mistakes over the years, and and you know, one for two hundred stock splits about, as you point out, uh, as as bad as it gets, uh, you know, for your stock. And I don't know what the the future for that is. Exxon's got a got a better future, but you know, all these companies are are in a space which is under incredible amount of near term pressure and also long term pressure, as you know the uh, oil gets, uh, you know, more and more of its shareholders are under pressure to divest. Uh, institutions and universities and states are, are all seeing a lot of pressure to uh, divest from their uh, oil holdings. And, you know, as, as a group, uh, this may be the bottom, but uh, it, it's been sort of a, a long ride down uh, over the last couple of years. I think the last time we talked about a reverse stock split on this show was sometime last year. And I don't even remember what the company was, but there, there was some company, they did a reverse split and it was one for 25. And I said at the time, holy cow, like that's, I, I, I don't think I've seen anything that big in, in a long, long time. This is one for, have you ever seen 
something like this, one for 200? Like, like at some point, don't you just have to have a, a modicum of pride and say, you know what, we're just going to fold up our tent and go home? <laughs> um, rather than do the one for 200? I mean, you've basically, uh, you know, the market has folded up the tent for you, you know, at the, at the point at which you're doing a one for 200, uh, you know, it's 14 cents. Uh, so... Uh, that that you know, fourteen cents for two hundred shares. So you know you're gonna get uh, twenty eight bucks, I guess, or, or sorry, seven dollars. Um, anyway, it's it's uh, I don't know. It's it's been a long tough road for Chesapeake shareholders, and and uh, kicking them again today while they're down seems unnecessary. I, I'm just marveling at the size. I'm just. I mean, I'm, I'm considering I, kicking them while they're down, but I'm just. I'm telling myself it seems unnecessary. I. I, I think that, uh, you know, it's been. It's. Been, they've received plenty of kicks. Um, let me ask. I'm going to go completely off the board. Um, Finally, and ask, and, and ask you about something um, that came up yesterday when I was talking with our, our good friend from the Great White North, uh, Jim Gillies. He was talking about Kinder Morgan. And, um, you know, uh, Kinder Morgan reports earnings next week. I believe it's uh, April 22nd. They're scheduled to report. And they are um, another energy company that is, uh, you know, having some trouble. And they are scheduled to have, uh, to announce an increase to their dividend of 25%. And this is something they've, they've mapped out over the past few years. And so, if they stick with this, it would go from a dollar to a dollar twenty-five. And I said to him, "There's no way they're going to do that. Are they? like, how could they possibly do that? Like that company in that industry, they're going to come out, and not only are they going to maintain their dividend, they're not going to cut their dividend. You're telling me they're actually going to go through with an increase of twenty-five percent." And uh, I uh, and and earlier in the conversation, breakfast cereal had come up because apparently Gillies is uh, very much a fan of breakfast cereal and is consuming more of it these days. And uh, I said, "Look, if Kinder Morgan actually goes through with it, I'm going to send you a box of your favorite cereal, whatever." So my question for you is: Given what you've just said about the energy industry, am I actually going to? Do you think I'm going to have to pay up? Do you think I'm going to have to send Gillies a box of cereal? Like, is Kinder Morgan really going to bump their dividend 25% next week? Well, I'm, I'm looking over, as, as you droned on there, I, I pulled up their uh, financials, because you, you're springing this on me. Uh, and they've, they've worked their debt down, uh, long-term debt down to little under 32 billion from 42 billion three or four years ago. So they've been acting pretty responsibly uh, over the last several years. I mean, they still are sitting on all that debt, granted. Uh, but I'm, I mean, I'm hoping that you have to pay off. So I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to say that they are in uh, a position to do so because of, of how they've acted responsibly in the past. But, uh, you know, their, their stock has certainly uh, put a hurting on the, the long-term shareholders. It's been kind of, kind of flat over the last four years, but you go a little bit before that and, you know, you're, you're looking at, at people that 
bought into the stock at 40, 40 uh, some dollars and it's $15 now. So uh, there are desperate times call for desperate measures, perhaps. And I don't know, increasing your dividend may or may not be desperate, but I'm just hoping you have to pay off. What kind of cereal is, is at stake here? Uh, I'm not certain what his favorite cereal is, although I could have sworn I heard him uh, say something about Fruity Pebbles. Uh-huh. Um, so, um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. You know, a week from now or eight days from now, we'll find out, A, if I have to pay up, and B, what his favorite cereal is. Well, I, yeah, I hope it's a, a really shockingly sugar, sugary one because they've come out with some stuff in the last couple of years that's really, I think, continues to push the boundaries on that. And, and so I think, I think it should be left to you. To buy whatever cereal I want for him? or Yeah, a, 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 you know, a projection of what might turn out to be his favorite. I think that's, what you should, uh, that's where you should take this one. Like, if he likes Fruity Pebbles, wow, maybe you haven't discovered you know, the, the most recent alarming trends in uh, what they can do with sugar and cereal these days and, uh, and well, artificial colors. The most recent one I've seen is Sour Patch Kids cereal. So, you know, I, I, I may just not even ask him and just send him that if I have to. How many essential up, uh, vitamins and minerals are in um, Sour Patch Kids cereal? I didn't uh, look at that. I was too uh, focused on just the fact that it existed. So it was, it was a little bit like staring into the sun. Like I, there was not a lot of room for nuance and detail. It's part of a completely nutritious breakfast. <laughs> we should wrap up here. All right. Bill Barker, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.